You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with the heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. It is a real joy to be back with you again. Yesterday I opened up Galatians 4, uh, verse 12 through 20, and I talked about Paul saying that he's groaning for Christ to be formed in the Galatians. In the midst of this conflict where they've turned against him, he writes him a letter and he tells him, I'm groaning for Christ to be formed in you. And so he writes this letter, even though, as we're going to see today, he admits that he's perplexed about what to do. If you've ever been perplexed about what to do in a relationship or in trying to love someone, care for someone, uh, well, maybe this message will help us today. I'm going to read again our passage, Galatians 4, beginning at verse 12, and then today we're going to focus less on the groaning and more on the perplexing. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, and not just when I am with you. But my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Now, this image, groaning as in the pains of childbirth, it's a powerful image. And you can see, even as I read this text, there's a real conflict here. Just to give you a brief background, Paul had preached the gospel to the Galatians, not so much on purpose. He actually was passing through there, and then an illness waylaid him. He preached the gospel while he was recuperating, and and these people got converted. And there was a great love between Paul and the Christians there in Galatia. But then Paul left. He moved on to the next place God had called him to minister. And some false teachers came in and began to teach a false view of what it means to relate to God. Where Paul had clearly insisted that our relationship with God is based solely on grace... The false teachers came in and said, well, actually, you can begin a relationship with God by grace. That's right. But to keep a relationship with God, you really need to toe the line. And you need to do all these extra things to secure the smile of God. And Paul heard about this, and he is not quite sure what to do. As he admits, he says, I'm perplexed. And yet he writes a letter anyway. He's perplexed about what to do. And I just find this fascinating and actually very encouraging as a professional minister of the gospel that the Apostle Paul was perplexed and he tells us about it. Because I can tell you that most people I know in professional ministry, you may think they know what they're doing, but most of the time they feel pretty perplexed. Like people don't work according to the rules. 
I know we go to seminary to learn the words that we're supposed to say. That's why I went to seminary. And yet, day to day, so often, you find yourself somewhat improvising, don't you? And it's not just for professionals. I know we wish that professional ministers were like car mechanics. So you just take your problem there and they would fix it. Of course, you know, maybe your car mechanics better than my car mechanics. Sometimes my, my car doesn't stay fixed. Um, but people certainly don't stay fixed. It doesn't really work that way. And I love that Paul, even though that's the case, he still presses in rather than running away. You see, most of us take the path of least resistance in relationships, don't we? Especially when we've lost hope. Especially when we're not sure what to do. Maybe we're too afraid we might make it worse, and so we just don't say anything, or we back away. Paul doesn't do that. He doesn't do that because he's groaning for Christ to be formed in that, in them, and so he stays in the relationship even though he doesn't know what to do. Now, I would argue, as I did yesterday, you don't really love someone unless you're groaning for Christ to be formed in them. Unless you're willing to sacrifice your own comfort to see Christ formed in them. Even if it means you're perplexed all the time. <laughs> because neither our comfort or their comfort can ever be our goal. And I would go so as far to say that if that is our goal, we're working at cross purposes, cross purposes with God. Because God is committed to seeing Christ formed in his children. Ministry, therefore, this passage teaches us, is about groaning and being perplexed. And that's hard, because we like to do things where we feel competent, where we feel professional, where we feel like we know what we're doing. When I was in seminary, one of the most important classes I took was a class on hospital counseling. And it was very different than all the other classes of seminary where you sat in a class and you read books and you talked about things. In this class, you basically showed up at Missouri Baptist Hospital and you would get a list of patient names, the room number, and the only thing you knew about the condition was a one through five rating depending on the severity of their condition. But you didn't know anything else. And so what you would do is you would take an hour and you would just go take that list and you would just knock on the door and ask if the person wanted a visit from a chaplain. And then we'd come back and we'd debrief and talk about it. Well, I remember one of the, one of the first days that I was there at that class, I got the, my numbers and I went to this room and when I got there, the door was open and I could see there was an older woman sitting in the chair by her bed. And so I knocked on the door like I was instructed to do, and I said, you know, hello, would you like a, a visit from a chaplain? And she looked at me, and there was this alarm in her eyes. And I, I thought, well, maybe she couldn't hear me very well. I should say it again. So I said it a little louder, and this time she began to get very agitated. And then she began to scream, and it was clear that she was suffering from some kind of dementia, and my words didn't really make any sense. And I didn't know what to do. I felt like I'm just making this worse. So I apologized quickly and I turned around and I walked out. So then I go down and we uh, meet with the professor and um, I tell him the story. And you know what he said to me? Seth Dearness was his name. He's gone on to be with the Lord now. But he said to me, Kevin, I don't know if this would have worked, 
But how are you going to minister to somebody when you can't use your words? I would encourage you next time, again, I don't know if this would work, but maybe you could have gently walked in the room, knelt before her and taken her hand. It's like, what? Again, I don't know if it would have worked. But I think your issues got in the way of you ministering to this woman today. I was like, what? <laughs> you want me to minister to somebody who doesn't understand words? Like, I'm here in seminary to learn the words. So I don't have awkward situations like that. But isn't so much of actual real love born out of feeling perplexed and moving towards someone anyway? Right? How about you? <laughs> Is that what you signed up for? Is that what you signed up for? The call to ministry, whether it's professionally or as laymen, laywomen, is often about groaning and being perplexed. And you know what? That's okay if God is at work. It's actually a disaster if we think our competence is what changes people. But I have good news today. God is at work. And he uses our bumbling, awkward conversations born out of groaning for Christ to be formed in people. See, I think we actually have the letter to the Galatians because even though Paul was perplexed, he writes a letter and he just lays it out on the table. I don't even know what to do. I'm perplexed. I have this great longing to see Christ forming you, but I don't know how that's going to happen. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know what to do. And you know what? As best we can tell, the Galatians kept the letter. They didn't burn it. It must have worked. God is at work even when we don't know what to do. Isn't that good news? That's good news for me because I know everybody in here, we have family situations, we have work colleagues, we have situations where we feel like we don't know what to do. But the big question is, are we groaning for Christ to be formed in those people? Or are we merely hoping to make the awkward situations more comfortable? I hope that we can catch a vision of what God's goal is, and it could become our goal. To see Christ formed in people sometimes means groaning and being perplexed. And that hits me where I live because my issues still get in the way. I so often value comfort more than God's kingdom. And you probably do too, but here's the good news. God is groaning for me to be different and for you to be different too. And that changes everything. Because the Bible assures us that he will complete the good work he began. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you that even we, we don't know what we're doing, you know what we're doing. You know what you're doing. We thank you as you assure us in the Bible in Romans chapter 8 that even when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes with groans in accordance with your will. And so, Lord, we pray that you would give us the courage born out of knowing that you are praying and that you are working. And may you give us the courage to move towards those perplexing relationships rather than wanting to hide when we don't feel confident and we don't feel competent. Help us. Help all those who minister through the Advent in this way. Help all those who are here today to move towards someone that needs to know the good news that you are at work. And thank you for this time to be together. In Jesus' name, amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.